And to answer something you raised earlier, I was going through a lot of challenges myself. Right. And my breakthrough came when I realized the challenges which I was going through, and I thought they were unique to me. They're not unique to me. They're very, very, very common. The vast majority of people are going through that. Most of them don't want to talk about it. But when someone points it out and says, hey, I may have a solution, they're very interested. (laughs) I bet, yeah. The reason I was so successful is our business schools, I think this is true of our higher education in general, but I won't comment on that because my specific experiences with business schools, I've taught at many top business schools. So there I can say with authority, our top business schools do not deal with the really important problems of life. Who am I? What Isn't makes it? me happy? How do I get energized? What do I want my legacy to be? They don't even acknowledge those issues, much less address them. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. I've been trying to rope him in for uh, 10 years, only he doesn't know. Shrikamar Rao is the founder of the Rao Institute. He is also a best-selling author. He is an elite coach. He is a former professor. And again, it's a tremendous honor to have you on the show, Sri Kumar. How are you today, sir? I am wonderful today, Martin. And it is my honor to be on your show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, and I recognize it's a little late there. So hopefully we'll keep you, we'll keep you pumped up and awake. So let's kick it off like we like to with the GTR, which is called the Good Things Report. I don't know about you, but typically, and this isn't, of course, a formal meeting, but you get into a meeting, people start talking about all the bad things. <laughs> so so I've taken that from my business, the GTR, and and incorporated it on the show, and it's always a great way to kick things off. So you get to choose who goes first. Uh, okay, I'll go for it. All right. Hit me. The good thing that's happening is I'm planning a new initiative, a new product slash service that I'm offering. Okay. My team is very excited about it, and we just feel good talking about it and the possibilities. And most important, gets the creative juices flowing, and we're all eager. Yes, why don't we try this? And then let's add this on, and will it be better if we do this as well? So just seeing the energy is fantastic. That is beautiful. And presuming you don't want to add, you don't want to add a little color to that. Is that an app? Is it a web service? Is it a coaching? Uh, no, it's not a web service. It's a it's a real it's an adjunct to my coaching practice. Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll get more into that as well. So my GTR is interestingly enough, I've been picking up the interviews, and just a few days ago. I think you'll be able to appreciate this. I interviewed a former heavyweight champion of the world. His name is Michael Bent. And it's a crazy story. He reached out to me on LinkedIn because he read one of my articles. Oh, you're going to find this funny. 
so he reads one of my articles, but it begins with this quote. <laughs> it's a Kierkegaard quote. Don't take any offense. Take away paradox from the thinker and you have a professor. <laughs> take, <laughs> take, take away think. Yeah. Take away paradox from the thinker and you have a professor. And strangely enough, so here's this guy I've never heard of. He messages me on LinkedIn. We're talking. I end up Googling him and OMG, he's the former heavyweight champion of the world. You may recall a a, a boxer named Tommy Morrison. He nice. was, okay, well, back in the early 90s, he, he, he was nicknamed the Great White Hope. And Michael Bent knocked him out in his first in his first title defense. So that got him the title. So, anyways, that's my GTR. Great to have you on the show. Take us back. I like to begin with the backstory, if you okay. will. And and what that means is kind of your childhood, where you grew up, where you went to high school. And then we'll work our way through some of that. Obviously, there's some, there tends to be some key influencers that that guide you on your path. So please share. Okay, so I was born in Bombay, Bombay, today, Mumbai. Okay. My father was in government service, so I grew up all over North India, in uh, Delhi primarily, and then I spent four years in Rangoon, in Burma. Now it's called Yangon, and the country is Myanmar. Those were four wonderful years. I went to high school in Calcutta at the Narendrapur Ramakrishna Mission School. I then went to do my undergraduate work at Delhi University. I was a physics major. And then I did my MBA at the Indian Institute of Management at Madhabad. And then I came right over to America to do my PhD at Columbia Business School. <laughs> so, so I traveled quite a bit. Yeah, take us back to high school, Calcutta. Mm -hmm. Give me, give us a little feel for that. What the so environment was like? Was I it had, a private school, public school? It's a private school. Okay, and it was run by the Ramakrishna Mission, which is a social slash religious organization. But the, those are the social things that it does. Yeah, And it was three really wonderful years. I got a very, very good grounding in the culture and the religion of my country, you know, the part that I was in. And actually, it laid the foundation for a lot of the work that I'm doing now, because it introduced me to figures like Sri Ramakrishna, who was a realized being, one of the modern Indian sages. Right. At that time... I didn't have a whole lot of respect or interest, but something seeped in <laughs> and decades later it emerged and it emerged very powerfully. So talk about that a little, because I think we, we all experience that a bit. We're, we're exposed to things, you know, it's the old, the student is ready when the master appears type thing. And, and, <laughs> and that's very much so. And so let me let me go forward a little bit sure, and you know, it make a lot of sense. Yeah. So what happened is after I got my PhD at Columbia, yep. I joined the corporate world and I was very, very successful. 
I got burnt out by politics, so I thought I'd go into academia where there is no politics. I was very naive in those days. Politics is alive and well in academia. <clears throat> but I'd made the transition, and I stagnated. And all my colleagues who remained in the corporate world moved on to positions of a hierarchy and did well financially. And you know, I was stuck being a professor. And I was feeling very sorry for myself. You know, I blew it all. I had such great education, such a wonderful rocket-like early career. And I threw it all away. I ruined my life. I'm done. It's all over. Pity, pity. So there's a pity party of one. All my life, I'd been doing a lot of reading, spiritual biography, mystical autobiography. This is where my high school thing comes in because I started remembering what all of these personages that I had read about said, and all of a sudden it seemed to make a lot of sense. But I remember thinking, if all of this is useful only if you're sitting thinking peaceful thoughts, but not when you came to the hurly-burly, then it's actually useless. But somehow, and I can't explain this, I knew that this was very valuable, maybe even the only thing that was valuable. I just hadn't figured out how to make use of it. So one day I got my bright idea, which is, why don't I take the teachings of the world's great masters, strip them of religious, cultural, and other connotations, and adapt them so that they're acceptable to intelligent people in a post-industrial society. And the thought of doing that made me come alive. So I created that course for me. I moved it to Columbia Business School in 1999, and it exploded. It was the only course at Columbia, which is a university-wide drop. I had students from law school, business school, School of International and Public Affairs, from journalism, teachers' college, all over the place. And Columbia is a big international business school. So students from other schools came over on exchange and they took the course and said, oh boy, this is a fantastic course. We've got to have it. So I taught it at many top business schools. I taught it at Columbia, at London Business School, at Kellogg, at Berkeley, at Imperial College. And then I spun it out and I started teaching it privately in New York, London, and San Francisco. The important thing was, at this point, I got a tremendous amount of publicity, Martin. I was written up all over the place. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Forbes, Business Week, Financial Times, Time Magazine. Beautiful. <laughs> London Times, Independent, right. Daily Telegraph, Guardian, you name it. Every major business publication in North America and the UK covered it at some point or the other. And and the name of the course is that the yeah the name of the course is personal mastery and personal mastery. So so that's absolutely fantastic. What what I'm curious about is the the inception. Were you going through some challenges of your own, mm -hmm. or were you just creatively inspired, thinking after I meet all my alumni and i realize they have this huge kind of gap in their life they've they've climbed one ladder only to find out maybe it's the wrong ladder yeah. um, leading against the wrong place right leading right and and so if that happened was that yeah. part of the problem you're trying to solve so part it's, of the problem. it's not just for you it's for other people and and separate those two for me creativity We'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about personal mastery. But mm -hmm. but tackle creativity, if you will, for us. I want to say for me, for us. What what does creativity mean to you? What's the importance? Here, 
That's a very good point, Martin. And I have a different take on creativity and how you become creative. Right. Uh, there was a, a quote by Inamori, who was the founder of the Kyosara Corporation. And I'm paraphrasing now. He said, when you care so much about a problem that you sweat and the sweat evaporates and goes up and comes back as rain. <laughs> that's when you will find your problem solved. Wow. So when you are deeply, thoroughly concerned, you care about what you're working on, Right. you automatically become creative. Creativity is not something that you have to seek. It's inherent in you. All you need to do is release it. Beautiful. So, so innately... The the terms I love to use is is this idea of a cr creature and creator. They're they're inextricably linked. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're very. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm going to steal it. That's fine. They're 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 they're. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to share some of my article. But yes, they they are inextricably linked, and we have an innate urge. So so I'm I'm. Not 35 anymore i'm 55 ish and i'm seeing that too that that the people around me who who feel stagnant are are not creating a long time ago under a different name i wrote a book called the three c's of success and the first c was creativity <laughs> so so that's creativity and it's it's innate, and I love that. So so talk about personal mastery. What's what's the big idea there? The big idea down there, uh, Marlin, and to answer something you raised earlier, I was going through a lot of challenges myself. Right. And my breakthrough came when I realized the challenges which I was going through, and I thought they were unique to me. Right. They're not unique to me. They're very 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 common. The vast majority of people are going through that. Most of them don't want to talk about it. But when someone points it out and says, hey, I may have a solution, they're very interested. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. And the reason I was so successful is our business schools, I think this is true of our higher education in general, but I won't comment on that because my specific experiences with business schools, I've taught at many top business schools. So there I can say with authority, our top business schools do not deal with the really important problems of life. Who am I? What Is makes it? me happy? How do I get energized? What do I want my legacy to be? They don't even acknowledge those issues, much less address them. All right, my friends, very quickly, if you're new to the show and you're just trying to get your legs here and figure out how to, <laughs> how to craft habits on demand, let me point you, let me direct you to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. There is a free habits to goals tracking template. If you'd prefer to do it on your smartphone, you can just search The Habit Factor in Google Play or iTunes. Now, for first-time users, I recommend you download the template because you get an instructional video and other instructions. Plus, it's better to work on paper at first. 
to really understand the PAR process. Second, for those of you looking to go deeper into the many concepts we talk about here, from story to environment to crafting habits and skills on demand following PAR, check out maven.com. Just go to maven.com, search the 28-day breakthrough. In fact, you can probably just type in goals and you'll see the 28-day breakthrough there. Jump on the waiting list or sign up for our next cohort, which is likely to be January. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is limited in size and scope. So again, first come, first serve. Head over to maven.com and search the 28-day breakthrough or just search goals. Thank you. It's incredible. And in my course, I address them face on. Well, and that's the reason why my course became so successful. I I couldn't agree more. And and it's not just in universities. I mean, let's go all the way down to elementary school. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the importance they they do get into the importance of creativity, but the last time. Or the next time I see a goal achievement course in elementary school will be the first time. So, <laughs> right? Like, I still don't know a high school that teaches goal achievement, which is insane to me. So, so, so the coming back to the personal mastery, let me tell you my basic yep. thesis. My basic thesis, Martin, is that we don't live in a real world, we I live like- in a construct. It's as if every single one of us was in a matrix. Only this is not a matrix created by an alien civilization out to enslave us. It's something that we created with our mental chatter and our, and our mental models. And this is a hugely liberating feeling, a liberating knowledge, uh, Martin, because yeah. if you're living in a construct and you don't like it, wonderful. You can deconstruct the parts of it you don't like and build it up again. And how you do that, that's what my course is all about. And this is something you do over and over again. It's a rest of your life methodology and process. For some of the listeners, it's going to go without saying, you're you're semi-new to my work. The, the reason this is called, pardon the French, everything is an effing story uh-huh. is because at the heart of the behavior model is... Yeah. is it's beyond chatter even, it's it's stories. And I base that on cognitive scientists who say we're advanced thought creatures. So so yes. this is thought 2.0 is yeah. like a bird. What If a cat sees a bird, a cat sees a bird, it might think bird or food, just mm-hmm. one word, right? Mm-hmm. We, as you just beautifully said, we construct a story. It's story. Oh, that looks just like the bird I saw on my honeymoon in Fiji. And boy, was that. And we do this instantaneously. Yes. In 30 seconds, I don't think bird. I am off into some. Exactly. In, you in build some... up your world with the stories you tell yourself. Absolutely. And, and what the I. The majority of people do not recognize that this is what they're doing. So my work is showing them. No, that's not the world. That's the story you're telling yourself about the world. 
And some stories serve you, but many of your stories do not serve you. Wow. Yes. Amen. Well, that's beautiful. So, and and personal mastery is is it just is it limited to to the mind? When I think of personal mastery, I'm wondering if you get into behaviors and or is it is it all just mind exercises? No, it's it's a combination. Okay, mind exercises lead to behavior, and behavior yep. leads back to mind. So they're actually intricately, inextricably entwined. Just like an ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. But actually, in my course, I go much deeper. Because right. I go down to, who are you really? And we are stuck in this notion that, you know, I'm Martin, I run a successful podcast, and I help <laughs> get better. That's all a story you're telling yourself, Martin. Who you really are is pure awareness. You are spirit. And your job on this earth is to identify that you are spirit and anchor and embed yourself in it. And as long as you're stuck in the illusion that you're a particular body-mind-intellect complex, you do the very best you can, but you recognize that what you're doing is playing a game. You're an actor in a role. Play the role as well as you can, but recognize that you are the actor, not the character. That's going really deep into my course. And some people want to go there, and many do not want to go there, and that's fine. Well, I think that's beautiful, and, and it leads me to a couple a couple different directions. And, and the first is, if if we're just... And I love it, and I I agree with it. If we're just awareness, that's not going to do a lot for paying my bills and achieving my goals. And so, the question becomes: is is that what you're saying when you say, at some point, you do have to pick a role and become an actor? By the way, the key word is act. You have to behave. You have to do things. Is that the idea there? How how does how does pure idea is you do what you have to in the care as the character in the drama that you're observing, but even as you're doing it, anchor yourself in the actor and look at that. You know, here it is. You know, Martin has a credit card bill that he can't possibly pay and he is worried about it. So you just note all of that dispassionately as stuff is happening. And as you start doing that, you will find, this is the funny thing, you will find that somehow, miraculously, things work out. <laughs> yes. Literally. Yes. And then the, the, the other angle to that is your take. So, so at our essence, we're spiritual awareness. Then the question becomes, do you delineate, how do you delineate between religion and spirituality? I do not delineate. The people who take my courses are smart enough to figure it out for themselves. Okay. One thing that I will say is I've had multiple members of every major wisdom tradition take my program, and they all said, I understand my tradition better as a result of having taken your course. So so 
in essence, it, it goes back to this idea of spirituality, and it's really agnostic. It's it's pick your religion, whatever you're comfortable with. They, I'm just wondering if it aligns. One of the ways I look at it is here's a pizza pie, right? A pizza pie, that's spirituality. And then if you cut, start cutting slices, that's religion, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, so spirituality and and at the essence, they all have some core similar themes, right? About loving themselves, loving their neighbor. So fantastic. That's that is good stuff. At our essence, I love this. We're just we're just pure awareness. We're consciousness. Pure consciousness. Yes. And at that point, we can choose the role that suits us to achieve the goals that are important to us. When you are pure consciousness, there are no goals anymore. You just are. You're not trying to do anything. But until you get anchored in that, you are in the set of circumstances the universe has put you in. Right. So it will act to the very best you can in those set of circumstances. I refer you back to Lincoln's second inaugural, where he talked about with charity for all, with malice towards none, we will do the right as God gives us to see the right. Notice it doesn't say we will do the right. He says we will do the right as God gives us to see the right. What God gives us to see the right today may be different from what he sees, gives you to see the right tomorrow. In that case, you would change what you do tomorrow. Sure. But in any given instance, you will do the right as God gives us to see the right. That is a very powerful paradigm, my friend. Absolutely. And and the, the challenge is, here we, we have a podcast called Habits to Goals, and yeah. And even if we're pure consciousness, like you had the goal, you must have at some point to have the Rao Institute. That didn't. <laughs> so, so it it is worthwhile, it seems, to pursue goals, correct? Yes, but pursue goals with the full knowledge that you do not really have control over the outcome. The mistake most people make, Martin, is they say, I'm going to set a goal and work very hard to achieve it. And the benefit of working very hard to achieve it is achieving the goal. Wrong. <laughs> the benefit of setting a goal and working very hard to achieve it is the learning and growth that happen in you and to you as you try your level best to achieve the goal. And if you actually achieve the goal, that's a bonus. Be grateful. And if you don't achieve the goal, the learning and growth have already happened. So you're ahead of the game. It's a no-lose proposition. Beautiful. Yeah, the, there's a Jim Rohn quote. It's something like, choose a goal that's so big that you're proud of the person you have to become in order to achieve it. It's this idea that we are transforming and becoming something, whether or not we achieve it. Absolutely. And let me put a very Zen quote to you. Great. Purpose of washing dishes is not to get them clean. <laughs> the purpose of washing dishes is to wash the dishes. And a byproduct is that they become clean. I love that. Well, have you heard this one? Zen is a phenomenon 
of gold and dung. Before you know it, it is gold. After you learn it, it is dung. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, fantastic. All right. So we're moving through this very quickly. And the creativity and personal mastery course at the end of this, I want to make sure we have a link and then sure. share your brilliant newsletter and people can sign up there as well. Since we're talking, and I could do this all day, about some heady stuff, would you care to take a stab at the definition of success? Oh, sure. <laughs> this is something I get asked a lot. It took me a long time to realize it. Yeah. Success doesn't come from accomplishment. Success doesn't come from material stuff, you know, not from your bank account, your private yacht, your uh, private air jet, your mansion doesn't come from yeah the number of people you have reporting to you or any of that. Right. Success is when you get up in the morning and you feel radiantly alive. Your blood is singing at the thought of being who you are and doing what you do. So that you could almost fall to your knees in involuntary gratitude of the tremendous good fortune that has been bestowed on you. Beautiful. And when you're feeling like that, if not all the time, at least some of the time every day, you're a success. I, I love it. So here's a question. If you could go back, I know you were having tremendous success 20 years ago, so you may have to go back further. If you could give yourself some advice, yeah, maybe a bit further back. When you were in your 20s or 30s, what, what might you tell yourself? <laughs> The background you had and the education you had, and particularly the books that you read about these spiritual personages, pay more attention to them because that is the real value of life. In other words, pay attention to the fact that seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then all things will be added to you. The notion that you should first seek the kingdom of heaven and then all things will be added to you. Oh my God, it took me so long to realize that. Wow. I'm just writing it down <laughs> for my own notes. Well, that's beautiful. So a bit of a word association game, I guess. If I if I say the word habit, what what do you think about what's the first thing that comes to mind if I say habit? Uh, the bedrock, the framework for a perfect life. I, I didn't catch it. I apologize. What's that? I said the framework for a good life. Oh, beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is kind of back in the day, I tell you when, when, when I would talk to middle school students and I asked them the first thing they think of. They say smoking, drinking, drugs, <laughs> or biting nails, which is tragic, right? Because here you're you're enlightened, clearly, and you you say it's a framework for a beautiful life. Yes. And, and how sad is that, though, if a middle school student thinks of a habit as biting nails, drinking drugs? In other words, the connotation is negative. 
strangely, when I was on a trip in China, we we did the same word association test, and they all had a positive association. In other words, it was like getting up early, practicing piano, that sort of thing. So I just wonder if it's a Western versus Eastern societal influence or culture that impacts that. That's that's part of the mission of the show in the book is is habit is neither positive nor negative. It's it's the force. It's like Star Wars. <laughs> it's like it it can be great. It can be drinking drugs or it can be the framework for a beautiful life. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well we're rounding third base and can you talk? I'm just checking my notes here. One or two formative books that have really meant a lot to you, sir? Absolutely. One formative book that meant a great deal to me is a book by Ram Das called Be Here Now. Just writing it down. <laughs> awesome. Another formative book is The Teachings of Ramana Maharshi. Ramana Maharshi was an Indian sage who lived in the late 19th through the mid-20th centuries. And he's probably the single most powerful influence in my life. Wow. All of my teachings, all of my material in one way or the other goes back to his teachings. Incredible. All right. How about a tech tool or a tech gadget or a website, something you can't live without? Basically, the internet, because these days we are blessed as a result of the internet, all of the great masters and the teachings of the great masters are available to you at your fingertips, seconds. <laughs> you can read the Dalai Lama, you can get the you know books of Thichnath Han, Ramana Maharshi, anybody you can name, they're all available. They're as close as your fingertips on the keyboard. That is incredible. It is extraordinary. It's completely mind blowing, and it's on a phone. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I'm not sure there's anything you can't learn on YouTube. I mean, my my old truck, I couldn't get the hood open, and sure enough, some guy posted on YouTube how to fix it. It it <laughs> anything amazing, yeah, anything you're looking for. Let's go back to habit real quick, since you said it's a beautiful a framework for a beautiful life, which. My goodness, I love that. What might be one or two or three of your best habits? One of my best habits is I read a lot and I split my reading into two parts. One part is junk, which is I might read a thriller or something like that. But the other part are books of by teachings of great masters. And when I read them and they really inspire me, I don't just read them. I read with a highlighter in my hands and I go through and put the passages on. And every time I find that uh, I'm in a down mood or not functioning where I would, I go back and read those again. And those books have the ability to raise your level of consciousness. Beautiful. Now, you don't have to answer this. Some people do not. Your your worst, <laughs> your your non-serving habit if there's one you're trying to eliminate, 
There is a non-serving habit I had, and the good news is that non-serving habit is dropping very, very fast. <laughs> I like to eat. I'm from India originally, as you know, and in India you have a lot of salty snacks, and I used to love salty snacks. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, but if you eat a lot of salty snacks, it's not right. good for you. And I'm I used to eat a lot of salty snacks, and I now find that my desire for them is dropping, and I don't eat them, and it's happening organically as a result of the evolution that I'm going through. Uh, well, as I say, you look terrific, as good as when I saw you ten years ago. Can you share with the audience? And you don't have to. You can you can say no, Martin. I'm not going <laughs> to share your age. Yes or no? It's okay. I've shared my age. I'm 72. Woo! Yeah, you look great. Well, that's fantastic. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. I want to say, Dr. Rao, if if you have a bit of advice, somebody who's listening is is really struggling and they're thinking, well, reading the great masters, that's going to take forever. I need a solution now. How? It's just one scenario. I'm just make it's a story I'm creating. How might you address that? Or or feel free to share any advice before we wrap it up. Actually, I would I would advise first of all, anybody listening here who wants to know more about my work, yep. go to my website, which is theraoinstitute.com, and there's a great big red button saying uh, join the community. Put in your email address there, and you'll get my blogs. You can also purchase a copy of my first book. It's called, Are You Ready to Succeed? And Are You Ready to Succeed is the, contains the core of the course that I taught at business schools. And it shows you how to get from your current position where you might be feeling stuck and how to unstuck yourself, if you will. So it's a written in a very simple language, and I know it works because it's tested in all uh, continents, in dozens of countries, and it absolutely works. And I can see it categorically. You get the book, you do the your exercises in that book, your life will change for the better. No wow. gifts and buts. And it, it's called, Are You Ready for Success? Are You Ready to Succeed? Oh, to succeed. I can't read my own writing. Are you ready to succeed? And and the Rao Institute is R-A-O Institute.org? Correct. Well, Shri Kumar, thank you so much, sir. It has been an absolute honor. It's been a privilege. It's been entertaining and educational. I'm going to turn off the recording and stick around for a moment so I can thank you again personally. Say any last goodbyes, if you will. Have at it. Hey, everybody. I hope, wish you a wonderful rest of your life. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Stick around. Say goodbye. Stop recording. All right, my friends. That is going to do it for this episode. If you are new here, there's only two, th <laughs> two things you should consider doing. One, Go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. Get your free template that will walk you through the PAR method. You are not a rodent. You are not a rat. Why do I say that? Because the habit loop, the famed habit loop, was 
devised by studying rodents. You're a human. You have choice. You have intention. You have reflection. Par, as a methodology for habit cultivation, is a process that leverages your human capacities. So, go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates and you get a free template. Or just go to the iOS or Google Play Store and you can download the free Habit Factor app. The other thing that is worth doing, in my humble opinion, is subscribing. Subscribe, you get each episode downloaded automatically. That will save you time. It will, <laughs> it will save me time. We'll be on the same page, my friend. So that's it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for subscribing. And make sure you begin tracking. See ya.